0: So I would assume everybody looking up there knows exactly what those things are, right? They are a camera and a phone, and in today's world, a phone is pretty much the same thing as a camera. I thought about uh, if, if this isn't going to offend anybody, I'm just going to take your picture. I'm not going to post it. This is just for me. So if you want to say cheese or, or close your eyes or stick out your tongue, go ahead. All right. So that's a spur of the moment idea. I didn't have that last night. (laughs) Okay, so we all know the the value of a camera and the value of a phone. Uh, In today's world, you can take multiple pictures all at once. Uh, As opposed to, what was it like uh, in the olden days? The olden days, you would get that one still shot. If you were lucky, you could get a picture like this. This is a picture that my brother took. Uh, If you were lucky, you could get that. You know, they, they had the old cameras where everybody just stood there like this, everybody's afraid they're gonna, I don't know what's gonna happen, and they took the picture and, and then it moved to where you could take multiple pictures, but you had to wait like a month to get them developed, and then you got the Polaroid one where immediately that picture came out and you could wave it around and see it till today where you can take 500 pictures and delete 499 of them. Right, that's what we have today. Uh, this picture right here, uh, there's more to this picture. This is an eagle, but what's, what's going on in the rest of the story? Is this eagle swooping down to catch a fish? Is this eagle about to land on somebody? Is this eagle, is is it about to, uh, is it getting chased from something and it's going to safety? You don't know, because all you have here is a snapshot. You just have one little picture and sometimes the Bible seems to work that way. You get snapshots of something. And today we're going to be looking at six snapshots of the life of Jesus, which that, that eagle picture, there's more to that picture. We'll come back to it. But today in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, we kind of see six snapshots of the life of Jesus that all get lumped together and we're going to try to spend the next 25-30 minutes looking at each of the, at these. And these could easily be stand by themselves Messages, but I wasn't going to stand up here for three hours. So we're going to try to get through all six of these snapshots in the next thirty minutes or so. So here's a passage: First Timothy chapter three verse sixteen. It says, "Beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great." Snapshot number one: He appeared in a body. Number two, he was vindicated by the Spirit. Number three, he was seen by the angels. Number four, he was preached among the nations. Number five, he was believed on in the world. Number six, he was taken on up in glory. All six of these snapshots, they give you a valid, true picture of Jesus, but it's so much better once you could put him with everything else to get a much clearer picture. So that's what we're going to be trying to do today. But I really need to, I feel like I need to ask God to help me uh, to, to finish this. God, I just, again, I give you this time. I give you these words. I just pray that this message comes out that's yours to hear, or for you to speak through me, that each of us would hear from you. Please use me in spite of myself that this message could uh, be worth hearing, and, and you'd be blessed through it, God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, snapshot number one is that Jesus appeared in a body. Immediately, where does your mind go when you hear the fact that Jesus appeared in a body? Anybody go to Christmas, right? That's, that's where my mind immediately went. When I think about Jesus appearing in a body, because that's where he appeared was in in, in a form of a baby. You can read about it in Luke chapter one, verse 30 and 31, 35. It says, you will be with child and will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. This is Mary, the mother of Jesus is going to have a baby right? And then it says in verse 35, so the Holy one to be born will be called the son of God. Jesus was going to be God in the flesh appearing in human form. He was not Superman. He was not superhuman. He had the exact same kind of body as you and I had. So that means when Jesus was a baby, Jesus had dirty diapers. That means when Jesus was a kid, Jesus skinned his knees and he bled just like every every other kid does. And that means that as Jesus went through life, he felt the same emotions that you and I feel throughout all of life. Isaiah 52 verse... Uh, or 53 verse 2, it talks about the kind of body he had. Jesus, when he came down to earth, he came down just like an average, ordinary guy. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us. He wasn't Fabio. He wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger. There was nothing about him that just caught your eye and drew your attention. He had no, there's nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was actually despised and rejected by mankind. But that's what Jesus did when he came to earth in human form. He took the most basic, boring, unattractive form of a human and said, that's the body I'm going to take. And it was necessary for Jesus to come in human form. For one, because he was able to relate to us as human. He was able to say, you know what? I've walked in your shoes. I've experienced what you have experienced. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18 says, "He, He was tempted in every way which we were, yet he was without sin. So he understands when you're facing temptation to do or say something you're not supposed to do, guess who gets it? Jesus does. Why does he get it? Because he came down to this earth to experience the same kinds of things that we experience. But there's a bigger, more important reason why Jesus came to this earth. It's because since the beginning of creation, starting with Adam and Eve, up until today and we'll continue till the till Jesus comes back and we all get perfect bodies of those of us who put our, who have put our faith in Jesus, the Bible says that we have all sinned. Romans 3.23, we have all lied or lusted or stolen or had murder in our heart through the, the anger. The hatred in our heart is considered murder. We've all fallen short at some point, and we are all sinners. That's why Jesus had to come. And because we've sinned, the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve, eternity in hell, away from God forever. And Jesus came because of that reason. He actually came to be the sacrifice for our sins, as Hebrews ten five says. And 1 John chapter two verse two it says he is the propitiation for our sins. Now I'm I'm not a guy who's impressed by big words. Okay, so if you uh, I know some some people like to use those big words, but to me I if I can't explain it in kid terms I don't I don't understand it. Um, propitiation it carries the idea of appeasing the wrath of an offended person and being made right with that person. Jesus came to be that person who is going to appease the wrath. Okay, so by my sin, I offended God. Right, Propitiation carries the idea of appeasing wrath. Jesus was my propitiation. I'm the one who offended God by my sin. And in order to be made right with the person I offended with God, something had to be done. And Jesus came to be that go-between, that in-between me and the offended person that offended God. Somebody had to make that right. And Jesus came to do that because of my sin. There was only one way for that, uh, for that wrath to be satisfied. There's only one way for, for that, uh, for that relationship to be made possible to be right with God. And that was through a perfect sacrifice. And the only person who could be that perfect sacrifice was Jesus. He was the only one who could appease the wrath of God. There's nothing else that we could do, say, or, or think that could possibly change God's opinion about us apart from Jesus. And the only way Jesus could come or could be that perfect sacrifice was to come to earth as a baby, that exciting time at Christmas, in order to, to live as a man, to die on a cross, to take the punishment for our sins. The only way we could be made right with God was through Jesus, and he came as a human in order to pay that price. But Jesus didn't just stay dead, right? Uh, Becky's always saying, you know, Friday, Friday's here, but Sunday's coming. Meaning uh, I mean, through our conversations, like Jesus is in the grave on Friday. It's a sad day on Saturday, on Saturday or, or Friday and Saturday. But Sunday's coming. Jesus came and He rose again. He has risen. He is, risen. he is risen. Okay. He rose again. So he came in human form. But then, snapshot number two says that Jesus was vindicated by the Spirit. He was proven by the Spirit. Vindicated, another one of those big words. Proven. That's what Jesus was. He was proven by the Spirit. When Jesus was on this earth for three years doing his ministry, doing his miracles, doing his teachings, uh, all that, there was people who were debating, is this really the Son of God? The Pharisees were trying to put him into the grave. They were trying to get rid of him, which ultimately they did. But all this was proven to be true. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead. The day we celebrate today, Jesus is rising from the dead. Romans chapter 1, four, verse 4. It says, this is talking about Jesus, who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. It, he was proven to be the, truly the Son of God because he rose from the dead. But this was not just the Holy Spirit who gets credit as rising Jesus from the dead. Because all three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, played a part in Jesus' rising from the dead. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, if you can read that, it says, God the Father who raised him from the dead, refer- Sent not from man nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who was raised from the dead. So God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. In John chapter 2, verse 19, he's referring to himself when he says, destroy this temple and I will raise it in three days. Jesus played a part in himself raising himself from the dead. Verse Peter three eighteen, he was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. All three played a part in the raising of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is known as the spirit that proved Jesus. It was a living proof back then, because when Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to like 500 people, and then to the disciples, and then to some others before he went to heaven. But that's proof that we have today is that Jesus rose from the dead giving validity to his message. And that that message includes the bad news that you're a sinner, but that message includes the good news that Jesus came to this earth to be your Savior, if you're willing to just trust him as that. So Jesus came in human form to die on a cross. Jesus was proven to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Two snapshots, only four more to go. Snapshot number three was that Jesus was seen by the angels all throughout the ministry of Jesus, angels appeared. when Jesus is uh, when he's about when, when he, uh, he's going to be born to Mary. The angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and said, hey, lucky you. You know, blessed are you Mary above all these other women because you're going to have a baby. When Jesus was born, he's a the, the shepherd or the wise men. Are, the angels are appearing to the, the shepherds out in the field saying glory to God in the highest because Jesus is here. And then throughout Jesus' ministry, when he's being tempted, you know, when he got done being tempted, by for, he was hungry for 40 days. The devil came and tempted him three times. It says the angels, they came and attended him. When Jesus in the, is in the Garden of Eden or Garden of... Well, I'm just screwing up all over the place. I hope you guys are catching all this and realizing, wrong, 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 wrong. Okay, so you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, Luke chapter 22, verse 43. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's sweating drops of blood because he's about to go to the cross another proof that he had a human body the angels came and they strengthened him and when jesus rose from the dead the angels were there too they pulled that big rock away not so that jesus could get out jesus could get out he's god it's no problem for him to get out but so that so that the women could get in and they could see that jesus really wasn't there but the angels were there When Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples are looking to say, where did Jesus go? And the angels are saying, what are you looking for? Jesus is there. He's going to come back. And someday Jesus is going to come back and the angels are going to be with him. The angels were a part of Jesus' ministry. Now, this could also be referring, you know, to that, that period of time when Jesus rose from the dead. Where did Jesus go? You know, there's a lot of debate on, did he go to speak to the prisons, in, as I think First or Second Peter talks about? Uh, we do know that it says, when Jesus was talking to the thief on the cross, he says, Today you're going to be with me in paradise. Jesus went to paradise. There's angels up there. could be referring to the angels seeing him there. Another snapshot, another proof that Jesus had, in fact, risen from the from the dead but after his resurrection from the dead snapshot number 4 says number 5 number 4 says that Jesus was preached among the nations he was proclaimed he was it was made known publicly and loudly that Jesus had risen from the dead you know back before Jesus rose from the dead the Jews especially those who are around Jesus, believed in Jesus and they believed in God. But you know what they thought about you, what they thought about me, who is not a Jew? They thought the Jews are the Gentiles are just more fuels for the fire of hell. And I know I've said that multiple times, but that's what they thought. And they were just as happy to let the Gentiles go to hell and just keep that hot for the next ones to show up. And that's where they could spend eternity. But God had different plans he says salvation is not just for the Jews. You're actually supposed to go out there into all the world and share this message. In Acts 1.8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is what Jesus said to his disciples. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where you're at, where the Jews are at, to Judea, to Samaria, the half-breeds between the half-Jew and half-Gentile, to the ends of the earth. That message of Jesus was supposed to go Where? It was supposed to go everywhere. And the name of Jesus has been spoken all over every continent, multiple tribes, multiple tongues. People have taken that message everywhere. And the disciples finally got this. You know, Philip talked to the Ethiopian eunuch and shared Jesus with him. Peter, he learned that God doesn't show favoritism, but accepts men from everywhere who will repent and put their faith in him. Paul. You saw this picture a second ago. Paul goes on a missionary journey. You know, he sees this, this white one. It's his first one. And then you see this blue one. I believe is the second one. And then this third one. And then he finally gets sent off to Rome. What's Paul doing? He's going anywhere he can to talk to anybody about Jesus. He's trying to get the message of Jesus everywhere. Actually, when Paul's writing this letter 1 Timothy, Paul's in prison. You know Paul's on near the end of his life. He's pretty much gone everywhere he can go, and that's just with three missionary journeys that are listed. Paul did numerous other things that aren't even listed. Uh, that that, gets, that says he was going everywhere to share Jesus, and so the message of Jesus is getting out there. And that's that's snippet number f- or not? There's that's a snapshot number five. Is that the name of Jesus is getting there everywhere due to the preaching of Jesus? Guess what we find. Anybody want to take a wild guess? We're preaching the name of Jesus. What's going to happen? People are believing. It says there in verse, in this verse 16, he was believed on in the world. People are hearing the name of Jesus and they are putting their faith in Jesus so that they can have salvation. We've looked in, going through the book of Acts, here's a couple notable ones. Acts 16, the Philippian jailer. You know, Paul's in prison, uh, he's in the stocks, and it's it's miserable down there. He's in pain, it's dark. And all of a sudden they're they're praying and they're praising God and the earthquake starts to happen. The, the everything busts loose and everybody's able to get away. And Paul and gets all the people to stay there. And he goes and talks to the the jailer who is ready to kill himself and says, "No, don't do that. We're all here." And the jailer says, "What must I do to be saved?" Paul says, "You got to be baptized. You got to go to church every Sunday. You got to make sure that you help the old lady cross the street. You got to make sure you give all your money to to all all those, all those people, all the missionaries. Pretty sad, huh? Said no. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Put your trust, put your hope in Jesus for salvation. That's all you've got to do in order to have salvation. And the, the uh, Philippian jailer did that. The people in Berea, you know, we we talked about uh, checking out to see if what we're hearing is really true. I've said a lot of screwy things this morning. Are Are you checking it out to see if it's really true? That's what those people were doing. And they were looking, saying, it's really there. Jesus really did. He was prophesied. He really did come as it was. And they said, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus so that I can have salvation. People are hearing the message and they are believing, you know, this guy right here. This guy right here is one of those guys who heard the message of Jesus and said, I'm going to believe that message of Jesus. You know, I heard that I was a sinner. I mean, I knew I was a sinner. Everybody here probably knows you do something wrong, right? But you start to hear that uh, what the consequences of sin is, what the penalty of sin is, and all of a sudden, it's a big deal that I'm a sinner. I can't just say everybody else is doing it. All of a sudden, it matters what I've, that I've done it even at all. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and list for you all the sins I've committed. OK, uh, I'm, I'm not I've got too much pride for that. Um, but it, well, it suffices to say in James chapter 10, whoever keeps the whole law, you do every single thing right that you can possibly do. But you're guilty of one little white lie of one little theft of the candy at the store of one little hatred thought in your mind. You're guilty of breaking all of it. So I, that's me. I'm guilty of breaking every single law. that Scripture says. Okay, and but I heard that I was a sinner and that I was in need of a savior. And I said, I do not want to go to hell. I don't want to be away from God. I don't want to be away from my loved ones. I don't want to be in pain and torment the whole rest of eternity. So I'm going to admit to Jesus what he already knows, that I am a sinner and there is nothing on my own that I can do to get to heaven. And I asked Jesus, be my propitiation. Make things right between God and me. And I accept that you did that for me. Jesus' blood shed on the cross who died and rose again so that I could have eternal life. I put my faith in Jesus. That's why Jesus came, was to give me eternal life. I hope you can say he came to give you eternal life too. I hope he said, I've already done that, Josh. But, Jesus also, but I'm also here to make sure that you know the name of Jesus. I'm in this church, in this pulpit, on this Sunday morning to share the name of Jesus to make sure that you and you and you have had the opportunity to hear the sad news, the bad news that you're a sinner. That you, The good news that Jesus loved you and he says, it, I'm going to set that aside. I'm going to accept your, my punishment in your place if you're willing to trust me as your savior and so that you can have eternal life. That's why I'm here today was because Jesus chose to save me and he wants me to open up my mouth and share Jesus with you. But it doesn't, it's not supposed to stop there. God wants you to take that message out there. We all have family. We all have friends. We all have neighbors who are going to hell. Unless they accept the name of Jesus. Are you going to be the person who's going to get into that awkward conversation, invite them to church, do something in order to let them know the name of Jesus? It's that simple. Jesus was believed on in the world. I put my trust in him. I hope you can say you did the same thing. Snapshot number six was that Jesus was taken up in glory. Jesus died. And Jesus rose again. But Jesus he didn't stick around very long. You know, in Acts chapter 1 verse 3 says he was here for 40 days. You know, he appeared to uh, all sorts of people and then he was taken up to heaven. And then you had the two two angels that were talking to the disciples saying, why are you looking for this guy? He's gone up to heaven. But remember this, he's going to come back in the same way that he is gone. It says in First Thessalonians 4, verse 16 and 17, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with, a, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Jesus is going to come back. Are you ready for Jesus to come back? Are you ready? Have you, have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you trusted him and made things right between you and him? Because he's going to come back. We don't know when, you know, I, we had a, we had a friend that passed away two days ago, unexpectedly. Who's going to be next. It might be me. It might be the person you looked at in the mirror this morning. They might be the person who's going to go next. Are you ready? If you put your faith in Jesus, you're going to paradise. You're going to heaven to be with Jesus. And if you did not put your faith in Jesus, I'm sorry. There is no second chances. You're going to hell. And that is the way it's going to be. And it's going to be that way forever. So we just looked at six snapshots of the life of Jesus. I just like blitzed through them as opposed to a whole message, each of them. And it, what we could see here is a little bit clearer picture looking at all the snapshots added together. Jesus was born. Jesus did ministry. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. He's in heaven and he's going to come back. You know, when you look at this picture, all you see is one little piece Why you just see this eagle and you say, wow, that's a cool picture. My brother had the perfect timing with his multiple picture camera. So you can go click, 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 click. But you you add it all together and you get a a cool picture, right? This is like six pictures all put together and you can see the whole picture. But I want to ask you more than think about that. I want to ask you a question. What are you going to do with this? You just heard this. You just saw the snapshots. You just heard me click through these things to tell you the message of Jesus. What are you going to do about this? You know, some of you may really need to stop and consider what does this have to do with me? Have I put my faith in Jesus? If I died today, where would I go? And I know nobody expects to die today. We all expect to go home. I expect to go home, eat a ham dinner and take a nap on the couch right? That's what I'm expecting to do. You know, you probably have plans. Some of you have family plans that you're expecting to do something, but you do not know what's coming next. So if you don't know, I would encourage you to stop and think, what do I do? Put your faith in Jesus. You are a sinner in need of a savior. And it doesn't mean you've got to come up here for an altar call. It doesn't mean you have to tell me anything. All you have to do is find someplace, just you and Jesus, or even sitting right here, ignore the rest of what I'm saying, and tell Jesus what he already knows. You're a sinner. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I can't get to heaven on my own. I need your forgiveness. I trust you as my Savior. Please give me eternal life. It's that simple. If you need to do that, please do that. He, he loves you. He already proved it on the cross so that you can have eternal life. But there's more to this than just people who need Jesus as their Savior. Other of us need to spend more time in God's Word trying to understand and obey what it says. Because this whole passage, in all fairness, 1 Timothy 3 talks about the qualifications of an overseer and a deacon. You know, like the church leaders, these are the the standard of quality these men must be living up by if they're going to lead lead the church. But they're not just for those guys. It's not just for our deacons or our trustees or for the pastor. These are qualities that we all should be living up to. You know, we, and we should be those kinds of people who are hearing what God's word says and put it into practice. If we've been saved for three minutes or for a lifetime, we need to consider what does this have to do with me? How am I taking what have I heard and how am I going to do better to put it into practice? We have us. We 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 hear the message of Jesus. Please don't let this just be another one that I take and I leave and I go off to my family and I don't think anything of it. Every time you get this thing out, my, it drives my wife nuts. I'm turning it on. Um, it drives my wife nuts. How many times I get this thing out? I'm always checking the mirrors. right? I'm always. Checking my emails, taking pictures. So please, every time you see this, I want you to remember the snapshots of Jesus that we looked at. The death, the resurrection, the eternal life. And what am I going to do with what I heard today? Jesus is risen. risen. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, you are an amazing God. You, You came to this earth as a human body. A human form. You, you felt the pain and suffering that we suffer, so that you could help us with, through the temptations, God. So that you could relate to us, but ultimately, so you could be the sacrifice for our sins, so that we could have eternal life. And that's an amazing thing, God. We could stand here and sing praises and just and love you forever for that. But God. I just, I just pray that everybody in here would have put their faith in you. If we have questions, God, that we would look, we'd find those answers, we'd talk to somebody, if we need help, we would uh, search it out. But God, please don't let anybody leave here today without a conscious choice that they are going to follow you uh, if they don't know you as their Savior, and we will follow you better. And God, I just am so grateful and proud to say that you are my Lord, and you have risen, and that you have risen indeed, and I'm just thankful for that. Please help me to live my life accordingly to that truth.